A message from our sponsor, Pivot Lending Group, Littleton, Colorado. Pivot Lending Group provides a tailored mortgage lending experience with strong local builder and realtor relationships and customized loan services. We pivot to help you grow in your community and realize your personal homeownership goals. Visit us at pivotlending.com. Hi, this is Mitch Friedman with Pivot Lending Group. And today I'm honored to have a very close friend of mine for many years and a wonderful realtor. His name is Dan Fortune. He works with the Impact Team at Eurocastle Real Estate. And Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mitch. It's, it's good to be here. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, Dan. And I think you'll have a, a good time today talking about yourself, your business, a little bit about your family, and uh, how you can provide value to your clientele base. I always like to start out with a little bit about yourself. So tell us kind of maybe where you were uh, born, where you grew up, how you ended up in Colorado. Okay. Grew up in the Lone Star State, so I'm a Texan, but maybe different than a lot of Texans. I love Colorado. So I came out here for college. I went to the Air Force Academy. And then after I graduated, the Air Force shipped me around for a while. And then I got out in 07 and came back here and did work for the Air Force as a reservist and then also in the government contracting world. How did you end up getting into real estate from being in, in service in the, the military? Bench? Yeah, I needed to stay here for some family reasons. My mom was having some some health issues and it made sense for me to, to exit out of the Air Force. And so uh, one night over a game of chess with my father-in-law, I was newly married. I was going to take a promotion to the East Coast and work for Lockheed Martin over a game of chess. I said, I'm not sure I want to do that. I enjoy working for Lockheed, but I'd like to stay here. And so he said, well, I will not retire and I will mentor you, but don't quit your day job. Figure out first if you like it and two, if you're any good at it. And it was incredible advice. And so he was my mentor for a few years until I figured out this industry. That's excellent. And of course, I remember the day you started. That far. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we were all in the same office together. And yeah. your father introduced us. And I said, I think he's going to do extremely well in this industry. You have the uh, personality, the smartness. That's the right word. And uh, given your background of probably being very organized, very responsible and very responsive from a communication standpoint to whatever you're doing at that time, carries over to being a realtor wonderfully. So uh, it was it was great to meet you at that time <laughs> uh, when we were all a little bit younger. Thanks for being patient and, with me uh, back then. <laughs> and uh, you've excelled since then. So one, kudos and congratulations to you. And uh, it's been great to see you grow and, and become uh, a very successful realtor and family man and all the things that uh, you enjoy doing in your life. So when you were going to school prior to going to college, what did you think you wanted to do? Do you have an idea of doing what you wanted to do at that time? Yeah, sure. I wanted to fly planes. That was my goal. And then I ruptured my eardrum boxing at the Air Force Academy. So I ended up flying satellites for the Air Force instead. Got it. Okay. Yep. So you, you, want, you knew what you wanted to do at that point in time. I did. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to do when I was probably about uh, 12. Um, good for you. Well, it's nice to have that goal and be able to figure that out at 12 years old and probably have family support to get there, I presume. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. any success I've had, it's always because of a team environment, either family, friends, whatever. So I know you're a father of two children. That's correct. Yes. I'm in a daughter. How's that going? And how are things at home? <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, maybe a funny story that recently has taken place is that as a father. Yeah. So in love with my wife, I married an awesome lady. I'm lucky she keeps me around. And uh, yeah, two kids. I have a four and a half year old daughter that is way too smart for her own good. And then I have a one year old son 
And it's just fun. Like they're just fun. Although here's, here's, I figured out what I say. I like being a part-time parent because I almost exited real estate, retired and became a full-time dad. And then on a trip around the world, we got about two months into that trip. And I was like, I like being a part-time dad. (laughs) Full-time every day, all day. I honestly, I don't know how parents do it. I think it's, it is incredibly challenging, more challenging than anything I've probably done. So I like a break from the kids, but I also, I feel like I'm my best self if I get to be with them a certain amount of time each day and on the weekends. And having uh, three daughters myself, uh, just a tad older than your kids. Yeah. Just a tad. (laughs) But the parenting never ends. So you will always be the parents. Yeah. Uh, It's just the conversation changes. Yeah. So uh, congrats. So I know, I know your wife well, and I know you guys have a wonderful family and uh, congrats on, on being a great dad, great parents. And Thanks. I'm sure your children will turn out to be good citizens who can contribute to our society in a way that's going to be very rewarding to you as a parent. So, yeah, that's the goal. I just, I, uh, I officiated a wedding for one of our good friends for his oldest daughter this last weekend. And it was, it was amazing to see, right? Like you said, the conversation changes their friends and He's a confidant now. He's not raising her. He's done with that. So Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then they start raising us after, yeah. after a certain <laughs> well, time. <laughs> that's right. I need somebody to take care of me when I'm old. <laughs> yes. We've got to plant our seed now so they can reciprocate. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any pets? We don't. No, my wife is highly allergic. We did at one point, but and my father-in-law is so allergic, he can't even be in rooms where animals are. So um, no pets. No pets yet. However, you'll start seeing guinea pigs and hamsters and fish <laughs> and all the things the children want to have. Hairless cat or something. <laughs> so get prepared for a little uh, visit to the pet store. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. It doesn't shed or have hair or dander. Yeah. We uh, we go and, and play with our friends' pets. So gives our kids opportunity to be around animals, which I think is important. Kind of switching gears back into the real estate side of things. When did you start actually selling real estate? What year was that? Yeah, 2011 is when I got my license and started actively working selling real estate. And I basically did that full time evenings and weekends until I replaced my salary as an engineer, at which point I I went into that full time and left the engineering career field. I remember those days where uh, you you show up very tired between a full time job and another full time job being a realtor. You really paid your paid the dues to get to the place where you got into it. It obviously was paid off. Yeah, so. I, I, I think it was. Uh, you know, I had been doing grad school full time, and so mm-hmm. I knew what it was like to kind of be burning the candles on both ends a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of work that first year and a half, I'd say. So you had a chess game with your father-in-law. Yes, which I won, and I have not played again. You know, you get lucky once in a while, so I figured, uh, <laughs> that's it for me. I'm out. <laughs> so you won't, but you took his advice. That's right. When that conversation was had, was there anything that kind of really got you excited about wanting to get into real estate? Was it just, it looks great, and I, I, I knew about it in the past, and no family or friends who've owned real estate. Mm-hmm. What, what really kind of got you fired up for that? Well, I mean, like my father-in-law really was like what I would say, like the epitome of what I wanted to be. And he himself had been an engineer before he went into real estate and then kind of recreated himself. And he was just an awesome man that I wanted to mimic. So people said, why'd you go into residential real estate? I said, whatever my mentor was doing is what I was going to do. So I didn't really pick residential specifically. I picked real estate because of the vehicle that it is. I was already investing I'd gotten my MBA and where we were as far as with the economy, my, my undergrad is in economics as well. So it just made sense at the time, like from a financial standpoint to be getting interested in real estate and investing in real estate. So those things all kind of culminated at the same time. And that's really kind of what pushed me into it. And then just, a, I think a common interest, most people have some form of interest in real estate. 
right? And I've taken on many different forms of real estate and whether it's investing, personally investing with your clientele, the other investment groups, uh, you've done quite a bit of different things that have been really um, very creative and very beneficial to giving back to your clientele and bringing people along the ride. You know, it gives you an opportunity. And we talk about this a lot um, with our team. And then I do some real estate coaching as well. You just have an opportunity to really kind of like help people design their lives. Real estate's a big part of that um, from a financial perspective, because as people are investing where they live, how much they spend on a house, what they're saving for, all those things are tightly coupled and related. So you really are from a real estate perspective. It's a large portion of a lot of people's lives. And that's fun. Yeah, being able to create positive impact like that is, is very yep. rewarding for sure from a standpoint of the pocketbook for those involved, as well as uh, filling your heart and seeing that people are able to achieve certain goals and build that worth and uh, be able to provide for their families going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, to that point, I had a client called me, his son. I was the first call he made. His son it was getting on an airplane to go and uh, travel the world. Every other day, he's going to be climbing and traveling on a, a global climbing school is what it was called. And he called and said, Dan, there's no way I would my son would be able to do this if it wasn't for the investment advice that you've helped me. And we've done 12 deals together. And I'll be honest, I didn't realize how rewarding real estate would be when I hopped into this career field. I just didn't, I didn't have that insight. Uh, but on this side of it, it's pretty amazing. That's why yeah. I'm not retiring. It, this is fun to me. It's great. And, and it is. There's certain things that you can't replace it with and the opportunities you can create going forward for people financially and putting other families in their families, in their homes even. It's, it's wonderfully rewarding in many different ways. So. And you see that from the lending side as well, right? You're allowing, you're helping people achieve these goals that otherwise they don't achieve. Certainly. Yeah. We, we try to be very fiscally financial with them make sure they can afford it and maintain owning those properties for a very long time. Um, so they don't look back and say, I, I'm glad I bought this home, but boy, it was unaffordable. And that's definitely not the, not what we want to hear. We don't hear that. Right. Almost ever. So we take good care of our clients. We look out for their best interest prior to closing on a home. And that's important. Um, so I know you've been in Colorado for a bit. There's been a lot of change in our state, of course. And of course, the Denver metro areas, north and south, east and west. What are uh, some of the changes that you've seen in the state? And uh, what do you think has been most influential in the real estate industry in Colorado? Ooh, most influential. So, I mean, obviously our density has increased and it's more of like a metropolis, right? You From Pueblo to Colorado Springs, up through Denver, up into Fort Collins, like it's just kind of, it's all connecting, right? Every time you drive up 25, you see that. Uh, and then obviously the mountains as well are exploding with people investing and buying in those places. So affordability obviously is a little bit more challenging as there's that growth, you gotta go further outside the city, but then, and so you see more, you see more traffic, but on the upside, you see, more opportunity to buy better, different houses. You see restaurants and businesses that pop up because of what's happening from a real estate perspective. So there's those trades, right? I mean, if you wanted to live in a small town, there was a small town feel maybe to Denver 25 years ago that is is not there anymore. Right. And, and we're seeing change on all the corridors for sure. Yep. Highway 36 corridor, and like you said, north, south on I-25 and all the way through I-70 even, Georgetown and all, all the little small communities. Yep. There's so much either growth or new growth that uh, has taken place. And um, it is a challenge to find property that's affordable for people. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's happening. Thank goodness mortgage rates have stayed low to be able to help accommodate some of that. 
uh, increased cost of housing. But at the same time, when you have a desirable state that people want to come to and, and live, uh, I think one of the big influences and all the new companies that have come into all the different communities. Sure. And they have to hire good, solid, smart, intelligent people. A lot of engineers, a lot of pharmaceutical companies, all just all the different uh, types of businesses that they do have high paying jobs. Yeah. The Google's, the Facebook's, the Twitter's, they've all come into town. Quality of life is here is pretty amazing because you can still get up into the mountains in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, you know, I've lived in big cities like Houston, L.A., Boston, and what we have here, the accessibility to the stuff, how quickly we can still get there, even with the amount of people we have is really a boon. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. So right. world-class skiing a- in two hours. So with the growth that we've had and the demand, uh, how do you see the market moving forward over the next couple of years as far as values of properties, the demand? Will will new home builders be able to keep up with the demand because new homes become very, very desirable mm-hmm. in this current marketplace? So what are your thoughts and feelings on that? Yeah, I mean, the data. So this is stuff we look at every day. Um, so the, the projections say, I mean, the only way that prices would not continue to rise at a pretty substantial clip over the next three to five is if people stopped moving here and a bunch of people started leaving. So, uh, I mean, we have such a net positive growth, people moving here and very few people leaving that the building, the, I mean, you just look at the permits that are being pulled. There's no way we'll, we'll keep up. So, and even where most of the building is happening is in less desirable areas, right? Because they've got to go further East or further North, um, in order to do that. So, especially if you're insulated anywhere near the mountains, I think you're in pretty darn good shape as far as pricing. I hear people say a lot, like prices are just so high. And my response is compared to when, right? Compared to two years ago, yes, they are expensive. Compared to two years from now, you're probably getting an incredible deal. We've been seeing this boom for about 13 years. And uh, so that same question was asked previously, it would be the same answer, but nobody would have suspected it to be as this long it has. Yeah. Over that time frame. Yeah. I don't see it slowing down either. Well, one of the things that's happened, right, is people are able to work remotely and it goes back to desirability of where you want to live. And right. so right now our pricing relative to a lot of other places in the country is still pretty reasonable. And the quality of life you get at that price is incredibly attractive. And difficult to replace anywhere else, for sure. Yeah. I mean, unless you want an oceanfront property, right. it's really difficult to beat this. Summer, fall, winter, and spring, four seasons. The type of people is a pretty centralist type of people that you get here that's pretty easy to get along with, low crime, lots of days of sunshine. It's great. It's pretty attractive and appealing. It's why I'm still here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Though I can fish the ocean. That was one thing that you can't, you can't replace, but the mountains and, the, and all the other uh, things that are available to us have been phenomenal for sure. Yeah. So I know you have a, a team yes. with your group. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us a little about your team a little bit about the team concept, how your buyer clients and seller clients benefit from having that team. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to learn more about that because I think that's really important to discuss for people that are listening to your podcast. The team concept is, I mean, it was really built out of, you know, when we started the group, when I started real estate, I started with my father-in-law, my wife, and my best friend. And real estate for a lot of people can kind of be a lonely business. 
And so we just liked working together and being around each other. So as we grew, we did it very organically. It was just good people. We're only looking for good people that could be trusted, that we could have fun with. So if I get sick or go on vacation, I need great people to take care of my clients. And that's really how they benefit. I said earlier that I was going out of the country for what was supposed to be a year. got cut a little short because of a family emergency. But I mean, when I left, I had multiple other people be able to help my clients and make sure if they need to buy or sell a house, they want to invest or they needed some insight um, that they were able to get that from top agents. And so, you know, we're a group of 40 and we grow just based off of finding really good people. So we'll grow as fast or as slow as people are like, how big will you get? We might not get any bigger if we don't find a great person that fits the, fits the mold, or we might add three next week. I don't, it just totally depends. And so it's a huge benefit to, to our clients because, you know, if they need to see a house or they have a question, there really is always someone to help them. So, you know, I'm on this phone call right now. If they called in, they could get advice and assistance, whether that be a showing or an analysis on an investment property or questions on an inspection resolution, they can get it at any time. That's great. And I understand that I have a small team as well. And I I know the benefit of having small or larger team from a standpoint of really just a very uh, nice way to be able to communicate back to our clients that are calling for a reason when they call or email, when they're emailing, looking for an answer to their question as quickly as possible. Yep. And that is a very large part of our industry that is communicating, communicating quickly and accurately and effectively. Um, and so having that team there to help you get there, to get to that place is, is wonderful. So, And then it's, it's fun for us because I like having good people I get to hang out with. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, it could be a lonely business. Yeah. 11 o'clock at night, we're sending off emails. It is a lonely business. It yep. Yeah. But you wake up in the morning to 40 people and I have six or seven and it's like, oh, it's good to see you again today. Yeah. And then here we go down the, down the road together as a team. If I was a new home buyer mm-hmm. and I was talking to you for the first time, what question or questions should I ask you as my realtor? Uh, first time home buyer, well, depending on your, I mean, they should talk to you first to make sure they understand qualifications. So the, the first step really for anybody buying real estate is to make sure they understand what they can afford and what they want to pay. Right. So they might be able to afford a lot more than they want as, a, as on a mortgage. So that's why I'll send them to you. And then it's going to be about what are their goals? I really like to start kind of begin with the end in mind, that whole seven habits of highly effective people. Like, where do you really want to be? What is the goal? You know, some people might be to buy this house and stay there. Very few people nowadays, but we want to buy this house because it's close to our other family members and we want to be there, you know, for the next 20 years. Um, other people, it's nothing like that. They want to buy a place and they want to house hack it and generate wealth and then move on to their next property and, and rent that one out. So we'll spend a lot of time kind of talking about what their objectives and their goals are. And then based off that, we just put together a plan. I mean, I just did it today with two investors that I've been helping and they're changing kind of their strategies based on where they are in life, right? Kids are going to college and these different things. They want to make some career changes. And so that's all going to alter kind of what they're doing. But even with the first time home buyer, I'm going to start there. What really do you think is your goal? And then we'll start laying out a plan for them. Great advice. And yes, uh, the, the mortgage side of things is definitely the uh, typically the starting point to make sure what they want to accomplish is going to work from a financial and a budgeting standpoint. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we find that people feel like they can only buy a certain amount. And in fact, they could go a little bit higher from the standpoint of their own comfort. And then we also find that people have a lot of thoughts around, well, I need 20% down to purchase a home right. and things of that nature. And they need a 820 credit score. Uh, they need to be on my same job for at least two years. 
there's a lot of discovery that takes place in that interview yeah. with them about their scenario. And so uh, to your point, I think that conversation is paramount. I don't know if it always ended up being the very first one, but it could be the second one. And then from there, everybody uh, communicates together and you say, hey, here's what we can do. We've just expanded your parameters as the buyer mm-hmm. to things that maybe you didn't think you could either afford or purchase given your circumstances. So it's all that education. And I hear that that's what you're providing them in the goal setting and I'm providing that information about finances. Yeah, I mean, it is it is the key because then they get to make good decisions or even if they can't qualify now, they start to know what the steps are that they need to do so they can get it done, right? They shorten that timeline. I mean, houses are just such a source, such a large percentage of the source of people's wealth. And especially now with them appreciating what they're appreciating at. I mean, it's difficult if you don't get in, it gets more and more difficult. And sometimes it's difficult to get in because of the demand right now. So yep. there's uh, a lot of good strategies that you and I know and that work to help our clients get their offers accepted. That would be another conversation to have. And it's one that I have with our clients and one that you have with your clients mm-hmm. uh, at the same time to say, here's what we do for you once you're ready to start making offers, uh, which is a, a crucial part of having either our experience and time we've been in the business and or having a team behind us to help do other things that help make their offers look much more desirable to the seller side of the equation. Yeah, from, from a buyer's perspective, one of the things we do is, so I've got a packet, it's like 90 something pages, 98 pages, I think. And then also have videos on YouTube that kind of walk clients. And I know that you have emails that go out to tell people where they are in the stage, right? And some of my clients, they have no interest in understanding any of that. They're like, that's why I'm hiring you, Dan. Like you do all that, I don't care about it. And then I've got other clients, you know, especially since I was an engineer that they want to understand every step of the process. It just makes them comfortable. Most folks are somewhere in between there, but provide that to them. So if they do want to understand every piece of the process, we definitely have that. Because for some people, it just gives them a much higher level of comfort. Right. to understand what's happening next. And while they're in the middle of it, just gives them a sense of where they're at. But the nice thing is most people don't have to do much except for sign paperwork, read it and then sign it. And we can make it happen for them since we do this all day, every day. That's our job is being able to, like, to work within the parameters that our clients feel most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And it's different for every single client. And that's what makes it for me exciting to come to work every day because um, either working with people I already know or people I'm being introduced to and then I get to learn more about them and, and be creative in how I can best help them yeah. and their parameters and their comfort level, which yeah. you do extremely well as well. Well, and the market's um, changing all the time, right? I mean, five months ago, it was like, it was almost like you couldn't get an offer accepted if you didn't have, you know, a large amount of cash down and right. removing contingencies and stuff like that. But that stuff's changing all the time. Interest rates are changing. Supply demand curve is changing. Market's changing. So that makes it interesting. Um, I know you work with a lot of sellers as well. Mm-hmm. And so if I was, if uh, I was referred to you and I say, hey, Dan, a good friend of ours, mutual friend asked me to give you a call because I'm thinking about selling my home. Uh-huh. What uh, information or advice would you provide to me as a seller of a property given today's market or any market type? Where are you heading? What's generating the move, the need to move or the want to move? Understanding that motivation is pretty important. And, you know, a lot of folks, they might get on online and find out that the value of their property has gone up $75,000 and they don't necessarily consider the fact that the other house that they want has also gone up equal to or more than that. Um, So we'll have that conversation pretty early on. So what is it that you're looking to do? Does this mean a move? You know, quite a few folks, especially right now that have investment properties are 1031 exchanging and moving up into something else. So they, but they've never sold an investment property before. So just having those conversations, really what's your goal and kind of how do we get you there? Um, I mean, right now in this market, you know, we're in the what's normally historically the September slump, 
but we haven't seen a whole lot of that. And people are like, well, I heard the market's cooling down. And what I've been saying is, well, it's just gone from insane to crazy. It's, we're still appreciating. We're just appreciating at a depreciating rate. And so for people to kind of understand that and how that might affect them. And it's, I mean, you know, this location, location, location. It also just depends on where you're selling and what your price point is because it's not the same across the board. So we'll also have that conversation as well. It's great advice. And I think um, sounds very similar to the buyer. It's what did, what did they want to get out of the purchase or the sale so that you're making sure you meet their needs. Mm-hmm. And then you should at least provide a, a roadmap and a, a reality check of the market and say, if, if this is what you want to accomplish, here's how you get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're willing to get there with me in a way it works for them, then it sounds like you got a nice mutual agreement and you work together well and you've got a client and you move forward in selling or buying new home. You know, it's been interesting because for a while there, it, everyone was having to bring a, a lot of money down to get properties. Well, not everyone, but a lot of folks, right? It was more That's difficult. Correct. And so what a lot of sellers, and I was advising this from a lot of my sellers is get this place completely dialed. But before that, if we'd gone two years ago or three years ago, a lot of times I was saying, just take care of the things that would be distracting that would scare someone for buying the house. But, you know, don't put in new carpet, give them a carpet allowance maybe, or a, some of these things. But you know, so the market as it's changing, those conversations really change. I mean, it can change. Right. I mean, it doesn't not really changing day to day, but I would say it can be changing from month to month. And so you made a comment that the house needs to be really dialed. Does that mean in really, really good shape and pristine and cleaned up as best as possible? Yeah, I would say if you were selling in this this summer, the best returns you're right? Because if you're spending a dollar to fix up the property, you don't want to get a dollar back because your time is invested there, right? And there's some risk. So you do that, you want to get a dollar 15 back and you certainly don't want to get 95 cents. So the question was like a lot of times with my clients, I'm like, you don't really need to change this. You don't need to fix this or upgrade it. You can just leave it be and whoever moves in here is going to do that themselves, right? So you're not going to get the dollar, but you're not really gaining by putting the dollar in anyway. It's, It's a wash, Right. But what we were seeing this summer specifically was you wanted to do those updates and fixes because what people were doing is they were bringing cash over and above appraised value and they were just doing anything to get the property. So sellers specifically were really seeing, you know, a dollar 15 or a dollar 20 on that investment of the new carpet or, you know, putting in new light fixtures or some of those things where two years ago they weren't seeing that. So Dan, I understand you uh, authored a book called Build Your Own Cash Flow Engine. Yeah. And if you could tell us a little bit about that and what they, uh, what drove you to wanting to write it and what are the uh, benefits of someone reading your book? Yeah, that, yeah, thanks. That's a good question. Basically, I found that both myself and my mentor are having the same conversation with our clients, kind of explaining the same concepts. And for some people it was hitting, you know, they're more verbal processor, but a lot of people aren't. And so this is just a 94 page book. Um, and it's a quick read. You could do it in a weekend. And really the point is to understand how to calculate and what the calculations mean from a real estate investing philosophy. You know, we start off like, why would you buy real estate instead of buying a stock? And what does that mean? And what is the difference in the asset class and how can it benefit you to do real estate, especially as you get older, right? There's a lot more volatility in a market like the stock market there than there is in a real estate market. And so understanding that and the importance of that can be pretty beneficial. And then there's some huge tax advantages that we get uh, when we buy real estate that we don't see in other places. I mean, one of like buying on margin, basically exactly what you do, Mitch, is loans. You're buying on margin. And you're not really worried about a margin call if the value of your property decreases, but if you're buying stocks, you do. And so 
this is just a way for people to read in a, a short sitting down once or twice, you know, chapter four, ask some great questions about, again, what are your goals and what is it you're trying to achieve? And it just kind of explains the real estate buying process and why you would do it and how do you leverage that to increase your financial wealth. And it's a great book, by the way, I read it many times and it is a read that you want to read over and over. And what I'm finding is every time I read it, I get a little bit, something different from it. And what I've noticed is that as the marketplace shifts, the real estate market shifts, the information and how I think about it changes given the market circumstances at that time. And that's the beauty of the book is that you can do that and pull it out and have a different, totally different attitude in how you would interpret the marketplace or investing at that point. Yeah, we should probably do a, a an update because some of the pricing there on uh, on real estate is quite different from 2014 when we published it. But you're right; That's the principles true. are the same, but what you take out of it and how you implement them can change based off of what's going on. Last question: What is one of the things your clients can expect from you going forward? Should they contact you and hire you to represent them on either buy side, a buying home, or selling their existing home? Well, I'm fortunate that. I get to work because I want to, not because I have to. And that allows me, um, and this has really been my philosophy. That's why I didn't stop doing my other job until I, I figured I could do this one well. Like I just have their best interest um, at heart. I'm not trying to help them. I don't need their deal to go through, right? My kids will have braces. We'll have food on the table. We live beneath our means. And so that just allows me to get real focused on what's in their best interest every time, all the time. And I think that that's a valuable thing to know just from a peace of mind and a confidence level that when I'm helping these clients, because a lot of times I tell them, don't sell, hold on to that. I mean, I've got a client that he had four multi-units that for the, since I met him in 2014, and I've told him every single year not to sell. And so this year he called me, he's like, I am selling this. I already know what you're <laughs> going to say. I want you to help me sell one of these, right? And it's, it's great sleeping at night because I know I'm just doing what's in their best interest. So you'll get that. Not that I know everything. If I don't know the answer, I'll find it because I know lots of people in this industry having been in it for a while that are way smarter than me. So we'll get the answer one way or another and then just implement a strategy for them that makes sense. And then I will also be checking up on them pretty consistently throughout the years to see if we need to modify that strategy. No, is it a refinance that makes sense? Is it a HELOC that makes sense? What is it that will help them achieve the goals they have kind of set out for themselves? I think it's great. I know you and your team have that philosophy together and uh, with the people I've worked with, it's always the same. And it's wonderful that um, clients come first. Yep. And taking good care of them is right along there. And uh, that's why I've been successful for these many years and been able to grow a team with uh, like-minded people. So that's excellent. We're going to have some fun along the way too. (laughs) And there's a lot of fun along the way for sure, especially with uh, families and friends and things that come along with uh, enjoying life along the way because you do want to enjoy what you've achieved at the same time. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to share with any listeners uh, that we haven't covered today? No, I appreciate you. And one thing I like to say is you can find people that are proficient in this industry, but more than that, you also want to find good people that you can enjoy. And Mitch, you're, you're a great person and somebody that knows how to do this business very, very well. So that's why I partner with you. You make it very easy to be on the team. I appreciate that. Feel the same way back to you in in many different levels of our friendship and uh, business relationship and things of that nature. So I think we, we both help teach each other many different things along the way. And that's yep. important. So what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Should they want to either call you, text you, or email you? 
Yeah, since I, I coach and mentor and do stuff like this, text is really the best thing because you'll never really miss me and I can always respond. So you can text me at 303-378-0050 is probably the best and I will get back to you pretty darn quickly. Right? And if they want to call, that's fine or email or whatever. I'll, I'll always get back, but that's the fastest for sure. And I'll send you a funny emoji now. as well. Dan, thanks for joining us today. It's great to get to know you more on a personal level your business philosophies, your vast background of all the different things you've done in your life up to this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you're, the people that are going to listen to this podcast are going to take away some very valuable information. Hopefully give you a, a call via text. Anything we can do to help out, just let us know. So again, thanks for coming on today. And Sounds good. Thanks for the partnership, Mitch. This episode was brought to you by Pivot Lending Group, NMLS 10995. Copyright 2021, Pivot, all rights reserved. Financial Funding Solutions Incorporated, DBA Pivot Lending Group. 10397 West Centennial Road, Littleton, Colorado, 80127. Pivot does business in accordance with the Fair Housing Law and Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Pivot Lending is regulated by the Division of Real Estate, Colorado. To learn more or find a full listing of our state licensing, visit pivotlending.com or nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 